What's up, Hyperfast Nation? Welcome to this episode of the show where I am with the lender extraordinaire, Carl Svensson of USA Mortgage, back for a market recap to give you guys an update of what's going on in the real estate world and specifically what's going on with mortgages. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hyperfast Show. All right. Welcome back to the show, Carl. How are you doing today? I'm blessed, Dan. Glad to be back. All right. Well, we had you on about a month ago and, you know, a few years ago that might maybe nothing happens in a month. This market, it seems like things are all over the place. So give us an update. What's going on in the market and how is that affecting mortgages? Yeah, we saw some new inflation data come out in the middle of this month in April here. And there are some key points to pay attention to. There's the producer inflation number and then the consumer inflation number both were significantly lower than what experts were forecasting the producer number is like nine points lower than what oh, wow. it was expected and where it was the year before and the producer one just so people know that that is that's the actual prices people are paying correct like wholesale prices am i am i kind of getting the definition yeah, right? the cost that it makes it costs for for producers to make their goods right so, so usually, actual hard cost which I like that number better than the CPI. I think CPI mm -hmm. is baloney. I've always thought it, right? Because that's that's based on surveying consumers, right? So it's it's consumer price index, and it's based on surveys of consumers. Like, how much did you spend on meat last month? How much did you spend mm -hmm. on fuel, on gas? And the problem I've always had with it is, well, maybe ribeyes are $30 a pound now, and and they used to be 25 or 20 um, so you're, you're eating less ribeye and more ground beef, right? So that's, I, that, I think there's some flaws with the CP, CPI. Uh, so I like, I like the producer index better. <laughs> yeah. I like the producer index better because if you look at the charts, usually the, the consumer numbers follow the producer numbers, right? You know, because as costs go up, Producers usually charge more to the consumers, and as costs come down, not always, but they usually pass those savings on to consumers as well. You know, when we're in a you know a capitalistic right. economy, you know, I mean, it's if if they don't drop their prices, the competitors probably will. So they usually do pass some of those costs, uh, those those cost savings down to the consumer. They do. I, I guess you could say it's a, it's a leading indicator of some sorts. But the I mean, again, the main problem I have is that. The CPI is more consumer behavior, not the actual prices. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's a correct measure of inflation. I think the consumer, the the producer price index, is better because if if people spend less money this month on fuel or on beef than they did the month before, you might think, oh, inflation is coming down. Right, but maybe they're walking more. Maybe they're not going out anymore. They're not mm -hmm. putting as much t gas in the tank, and maybe, maybe they're eating more broccoli instead of meat. So, I think I think the CPI is kind of designed for the Fed to play their games, and, and the PPI is is a little bit more accurate. Yeah. Well, the thing that you see, I'm going with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess my bigger thing is, you know, even when we get good news like this, mm -hmm. so much of what impacts the mortgage market is based upon what the people that hold power are saying like you know the people that are part of the fed so i mean a couple you know a couple days after these numbers came out the market responded negatively 
for mortgage rates, really just because of what Fed chairs are saying. The, Bullard, who's the St. Louis president of the Fed, came out and said that he wants to hike another 75 basis points, even oh, though wow. you know, multiple experts were of the mind that this hike in May of 25 was likely going to be the last hike, which was getting people super excited because there, some economists uh, did some research. And you know, over the last, I, I think it was the last three or four sessions where there were the last Fed rate hike and the first Fed rate cut, the two asset classes that performed best were real estate and long-term bonds, which hmm. means, you know, obviously more home appreciation and then lower mortgage rates if, if bonds perform well. So, yeah, this whenever we get to the last Fed rate hike, that period from then until whenever they start cutting is likely going to be super beneficial for the real estate industry. Right. I think, I think until that uncertainty is removed or, or, at least removed in enough people's mind the spread between where mortgage rates are and where like the the ten year bond just because that's one that kind of tracks it a little mm-hmm. or or has some correlation like that spread is going to be wider than normal so I think I think you're right like that 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 spread is there right now because of of the volatility the uncertainty and when people when people get a more certainty that the the hikes are done. That's the spread probably will collapse a little bit, and you know, without even the rate coming down, with just the spread, we'll, we'll probably see compression mm-hmm. on mortgage rates. So, well, I guess when when that inflation data came out, it reacted well, right? We, so we were down to low sixes again, and then maybe mm-hmm. it bounced back up a little. It didn't look too bad though um, after the the Fed. That, that one chairman's remarks, right? So. Yeah, I mean, it depends on, you know, what type of property you're looking right. at, down payment and stuff like that. But on average, it is an eighth to a quarter percent difference. Um, condos usually feel it the most, though. The, with this volatility, there's when I, uh, the buyers that I've been working with, the differences on condo rates was, was more substantial than it was on single-family townhomes. And stuff it's like interesting, that. too, that the, the chatter in mortgage rates, this, you know, up an eighth, down an eighth, up a quarter, down a quarter. It really affects the number of mortgage applications. Seemingly, like like the market's really sensitive to it. Like like, like a slight little drop in mortgage applications mm-hmm. seem to make like a week over week, you know, like ten percent jump. The slight little increase, mm-hmm. and then they, they're down five, ten, fifteen percent. Yeah, they they put out numbers the other day. I I can't remember what the exact number was. I want to say I know it was over forty percent. I think it was like forty six percent lower for mortgage applications now than what it was a year ago. Right. Yeah, year over year it's 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 been lower and lower, although that's as we get deeper into the the, the year that year those year over year numbers don't look as bad, mm-hmm. right? But um but yeah, the on the, on the week to week basis, the market seems like ultra sensitive to just a slight eighth quarter point of a move, I mean, yeah. in either direction. Have you noticed that? Yeah, it's it's been very up and down over the last couple of months, more more so than I mean, you know, in from 2016 to like 2019, it was you know a pretty pretty small volatility, whereas like a consistently downward moving interest rate environment, so it's much easier for you know clients to confidently float their loan from when they got in contract to closing, and then you're likely going to get a better deal by a little bit from when you got in contract to when you get to closing, and now. It's 
it's like going to the casino almost. Right. It, you know, it's like, well, you can float your loan. You, it might work out in your favor. If you float too long, it, it might cost you. Okay. So, you know, ultimately we leave it up to the client to, you know, make that decision based on what their risk threshold is. You know, and I've been seeing most people right now don't want to take those risks. But there are, you know, there are a couple of gamblers out there. What are you doing to help uh, two, two, two groups of people? A, the buyers that are, like, sensitive to these movements, and B, the real estate agents who are working with these buyers that are, mm-hmm. that are ultra-sensitive right now to interest rates. How are you helping those two groups? The buyers, it's ultimately giving them all this information of what's coming up in the market, you know, uh, helping them understand whether there's higher risk or higher reward. You know, I always give my professional opinion, but I also let them know that I'm usually more of a risk taker. So, you know, do with that what you will. Okay. It also depends on, you know, these conversations always depend on what their thought process is as far as when rates are going to improve. If you think rates are going to be in a better situation at the end of the year or within 12 months of buying the home, well, then, you know, it makes sense for us to do like a lender paid one year buy down where they can get a lower interest rate for that first year. Because if you're going to refinance within the you know before that 12 month period ends, then you just took a lower interest rate from the bank for free, right? You know, but if you're not of that mindset, then it increases your risk exposure, and it doesn't make sense for you to do that if you're not confident that you're going to be able to refinance in that 12 month time frame. So it really comes down to what they think is going to happen with interest rates. So you've got a basket of tools that you can help buyers depending on. They're obviously their price point, their outlook on rates, their overall financial strength, their out, you know, their risk tolerance, and yeah, you know, sounds like it's just a matter of educating the the buyers on this and and educating the agents as well. Definitely, uh, and I mean, with the agents, I, I think it's about setting expectations for you know what their time frame is to close. You know, if it's somebody that is closing in two weeks, you know, you don't really have much time to to float your loan or, or make any, take, take any risks, you know, especially it it depends on the client. I mean, if it's somebody that's buying at the top of their approval amount, which, I mean, we don't usually see that often in the DC area, but if, if they are buying at the top of their price point, you could risk qualifying for the loan. You know, if, if rates go up a quarter percent, you no longer qualify for the loan. That's not a risk that's worth taking. Right. You know, but if it's somebody that's, you know, buying in their comfort zone and it's not a qualifying thing, um, I mean, Ultimately, we leave it up to them. But, you know, if we have more than right now, if you're closing, you know, three weeks or more from now, you know, it's likely going to be more beneficial for you to be able to wait a little bit because of that extra inflation data that's going to come out on May 10th. So uh, there there may be some more benefits to, to waiting than there are of locking in. But it just depends on, you know, what your risk threshold is. All right. Well, no, it's, it's amazing to, uh, to sit down, get this market update with you, you know, learn how you're helping buyers uh, and and their agents through this this process, and especially now, like there's just a lot of sensitivity in the market. Uh, and just so folks know, you're with USA Mortgage. You guys do what ten day closes if needed. I don't I don't want you to misspeak. So if if, if I'm a little. <laughs> well, we talked about last time, but just remind mm-hmm. us how, how fast can you close? Yeah, we'll do a ten day if, uh-huh. if you know if we, that's going to make the difference push, of the buyer getting the home. Push or hell or high water, you yeah. can do it. But normally, fourteen is kind of like a fourteen quick is a standard thing. Okay, but uh, the one thing that I did want to mention today is 
I, I've been seeing that there's like a lot of fear mongering going on with the media. Like Redfin just put out a, a report recently about how media, like the the average home price is down three percent. And if you actually look at the report, it's it has nothing to do with appreciation. It has to do with just the fact that people are buying lower priced homes. It's it's oh, a median gotcha. So the median, yeah. But if people are just reading the headlines, you know, it makes people think right. that, that home prices are falling uh, as a whole. And but they're not. it's just showing that there's you know buyers that are in a smaller price category than what we've seen you know yeah more more people are are it's probably really inventory driven like more people are probably willing to sell a house with a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage than a four hundred thousand dollar mortgage because they're they're less concerned about the interest rate the good interest rate that they're giving up Mm -hmm. right so i i bet it's i bet it's more supply side driven what the seller is willing to part with than anything in a lot of cases right so then we're seeing higher velocity of lower price transactions uh, than we are uh, higher higher price transactions. I, I think it also has to do with, you know, how, how you're going to be able to get, like, I mean, there's a lot of multiple offer situations, you know. I yeah. mean, it's, it's pretty rare to find a property that only gets one offer unless you're, like, super in the country from what I've been seeing. And, you know, there's just less buyers on those multimillion-dollar homes. So I'd, I'd imagine... That's part of it too. Is just you're, yeah. You're just not going to get as much activity on those because uh, there's just less buyers in that category now. All right. If real estate agents are listening to this show, um, and I know if 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 they missed the last episode with you, they should go back and listen to that as well. We talked a lot about how you're helping them with social media uh, today. We focused on how you're helping them with interest rate sensitivity. But if, if they're listening and want help with you on their social media, their marketing, you know how to have these tough, tougher conversation with buyers. How do they get in contact with you, Carl? Yeah. Uh, I would say, you know, link up with me on Instagram at the Carl Svensson. That's T H E K A R L S V E N D S E N. And would love to, you know, see what you're already doing and see how we can maximize your, your opportunity and collaborate on something. All right. And if you're a real estate agent listening to this and want to learn about partnering with myself and Carrie Scholl at EXP Realty. I would be honored to have a conversation with you about that. When you partner with us in EXP Realty, we truly are your business partners. Carrie and I give you access to the Hyperfast Agent Coaching Program. We give you access to another nationally recognized coaching program. We help you, if you want, uh, with recruiting, with training, with scaling a team, scaling uh, you know multiple streams of income. If you want to learn more about how we are helping real estate agents, you know, new agents, veteran agents, solo agents, team leaders, uh, if you want to learn more about how we're helping people all over the country at EXP Realty, just send me a text message at 703-638-4393. Yes, that is my cell phone. I do answer it. Send me a text, 703-638-4393. 4393. I would be honored to talk to you about the opportunity with Carrie Scholl and myself at eXp Realty. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Hyperfast Agent Show. We'll see you next time.